The other day I was talking with a good friend, Rabbi Ezra, uh, who is the rabbi at uh, Temple Beth Jacob. Uh, that is the facility that uh, we share with them in Ritwood City for our in-person gathering. And we were talking about uh, the first high holy day for the Jewish community uh, is Rosh Hashanah. And it's this Labor Day weekend. It's a day that they set aside and they pull back from all work and they reflect and they engage and remember who God is in their life, et cetera, et cetera. The word actually means the hit of the year. It is for the Jewish community, the beginning of their new year. And while we talked about it, uh, he noted this particular Hebrew word, tikvah, which means hope. And then he pointed out that the root of tikvah is kava, which means gathering together. And I was engaging with him and thinking about hope connected to gathering together. And thinking about this message that I was going to teach today that was good, to try to help us to wrestle with this invisible epidemic uh, that is loneliness, that is growing and growing and growing because of some of the stuff that I've just finished talking about. I thought about this phrase here, sacred connections. Everybody shout sacred connections. I couldn't help but think about the words of Jesus when he says, where two or three gather together in my name. There I am in the midst. And hope is rooted in sacred connection where you and I are connected and we know that Jesus is in the midst. All right. Here's the theme. Here's the theme for today's uh, lesson. Through pursuing and building sacred connections, God empowers us to detox our lives and detox the world around us. This time, read it with me. Through pursuing and building sacred connections, God empowers us to detox our lives and detox the world around us. So let's anchor in the story of Genesis chapter 2. God has created the world. He's created humanity. And the first expression of that creation is Adam, the man made out of the earth. And, uh, and here's what the text says. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat uh, the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. And then it goes on to say, then the Lord God says it. it's kind of like he notices something. It's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. Now, listen, this text is about a whole lot of things, right? First of all, I want to suggest that it reveals the first dimension of sacred connection, the sacred connection between Adam and God. And in that connection, uh, uh, Adam is seen, he is known, he is heard, he is felt, God is aware and is involved in Adam's story, and he knows what Adam uniquely needs. And you see that uh, when, when in the discussion, the text says that God warned Adam. It's this discussion that's going back and forth between uh, him, this, this intimate relationship. So while there was a vertical sacred connection, what was absent was a horizontal sacred connection. And I want to suggest that God has made us in such a way that we need both a vertical sacred connection. We need to be seen, heard, known, felt, and loved by God and vice versa. And we need a horizontal set of sacred connections as well. People 
And God notices that as he looks at Adam, that he's alone. Now, what it really means is this, that even though Adam is in charge of all of the creation, Adam looks out in the creation, he does not find anyone that mirrors back, that reflects back him. He doesn't find his kind, his tribe, his people. This is not there. One of the wonderful phrases that's used in the King James Version when it talks about how God is creating different species and different animals and so forth and so forth and so on, different plants. He says, and he made X after its own kind. There was no Adam kind. And so we find him there, the text says, alone. So this passage is about a lot, but one of the things it's about is loneliness. Can everybody shout loneliness, loneliness? Now, let's look at the text closer. <clears throat> then the Lord says, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, we usually use this passage uh, when we're talking about those of us who are clergy, when we're doing marriages. We, we quote this text, the Lord says, it's not good for man to be alone. And we go on and quote further the, this, the text says, so for this cause, a man shall leave his parents and cleave unto himself, his wife and the two shall become one flesh, so forth and so on. This is about marriage, right? We think about it in terms of marriage. But there's a greater hint here. For the Jewish writer who's giving us this account, he sees in this story, not just the beginning of a marriage, but the beginning of a family. Not just the beginning of a family, but ultimately the beginning of a clan, a tribe, a nation, a people. And through this, the population of the world. And he's hinting at the fact that all of us need a clan, a tribe, a people to be connected to, to be known, to be seen, to be loved, to be understood. And we need the same kind of connection with God. I like this piece. He says, uh, God says, I'll make a helper who is just right for Adam. Everybody shout, just right. Another way of saying this is that, that this helper will be the right fit. That's the Hebrew beneath the word. It's the right fit. Amazing. Now just imagine this thought, if you will, right? Adam is totally in charge of stewarding creation, and yet he doesn't quite fit into the thing he's stewarding. I'm sure there's perhaps a CEO or someone who's leading a family who's listening to me now. And you get this, right? You're leading a company. You might even be successful, but you don't actually feel like you, you are known by the people that you're working with. You're known by the people that you're living with. They don't quite get you. You don't quite fit. You may be a student who finds it extremely difficult to find that group that you fit in. You're not a fit. And so this, this notion, word misfit, usually comes from this notion of, of right person in the wrong group. So many of you listening to me may actually feel like, yeah, a misfit. Right person in the wrong family. Right person in the wrong organization. Right person in the wrong group. The problem is that when we're quote-unquote misfits, we usually don't feel like we're the right person in the wrong group. We, we usually feel like we're the wrong person. We're not pretty enough, smart enough, good enough, and so we are isolated and alone or disconnected or misunderstood. We think it's our fault. Oh, that's a trick of the enemy. One more insight here. Solitude does not mean the same thing as loneliness. It's possible for you to be in a crowd, in a 
party. I know this from experience when I was in college. Yeah, you, you know, I know what it's like to be in a party, dancing and clowning and acting crazy and feeling just as alone. Because at the end of the day, it's not how many people are around you. It's how many people you are emotionally and socially connected to and spiritually connected to. On the other hand, it's very possible to be all by yourself and yet not be alone. Because as many introverts know, uh, it's, it's, it's very possible for you to enjoy your alone time while fully feeling connected emotionally and spiritually and socially to those who love you and those that you love. So don't confuse the two. Now let's look at the text a little closer. <clears throat> the text. Now the man and his wife were both naked. And they felt no shame. I just want to pull this out. The Jewish writer is really saying more than about their physical presence of being naked, right? Naked becomes a fabulous metaphor for what you've already heard me say several times here. That they could stand in each other's presence and, and, and they were involved in one another's story with full transparency. That there was no need for uh, secrecy. There was no need for lies. Uh, there was no need to hide that they were fully known to one another. They heard, they saw each other. They felt what each other was feeling. They were connected. Somebody shout connected. So part of this teaching is to help you to recognize that if you're feeling lonely, it has to do at the end of the day with what I want to call a pain-filled disconnection. Disconnection. Either it's coming from a place of my being disconnected from God and from a sense of purpose and from a sense of a loving relationship with God or comes from a place of my being disconnected horizontally from people around me, not finding people with whom it is safe for me to be fully transparent, exposed in their presence. All right. Let me introduce you to this guy right here. As you think about this notion of disconnected, right here. Thinking about, does this describe you or this describe somebody that you know, somebody you, somebody in your circle? This particular gentleman here, this is the Surgeon General of the United States, Dr. Vivek Murthy. And a few years ago, he wrote a book talking about what he described as the epidemic of loneliness. He figured out that uh, there were about 55 million people at the time in America, this is pre-pandemic, who was wrestling with loneliness. You can double that number now, which means it's, it's uh, well over 100 million people, I'm sure easily, for a variety of reasons, as a byproduct of this pandemic. Just think about the toxic politics. Uh, just think about the fear. Just think about all the different ways we've had to shelter in and isolate. Just think about we can only do elbow bumps and we can't shake hands and we can't hug as freely and as readily. Just think about, you know, some people still can't visit their grandparents and others because of, of the whole virus issue. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shout loneliness. Oh, yeah. Tons of people are wrestling with loneliness today. And so he discovered it in his research. He found out it was prevalent among adults. He found it was prevalent among college students, uh, 60% of the college students that were surveyed said that in the previous year they had been wrestling with loneliness. 60%, 50% of freshmen say that during the first year they 
figured out that making friends were a whole, was a whole lot more difficult than they thought. And they, they, they ended up spending that time in isolation and loneliness and depression. Can somebody shout an epidemic of loneliness? Well, that's what he was writing about in this book, which he calls Together. So go back to the, I just want you to see the cover here. Go back and see the, so the name of this book, Together, it's a great book. I encourage you to get it. The Healing Power of Human Connection in a Sometime Very Lonely World. As he talks about this book, he uh, tells some stories about how loneliness shows up in people's lives. He says when he was traveling around the, uh, the U.S., he, he oftentimes in big cities and small towns, he'd run into people. No one would walk up to him and say, I'm lonely. <laughs> they would walk up to him and say things like, you know, I feel invisible. Or they would say, you know, like, I feel like we're in this thing all by ourselves. Talking about a family or a group as he was engaging with. Isolation. As a matter of fact, he tells a remarkable story in the book about a fellow by the name of James that he met as a young physician in Brigham Women's Hospital in Boston in his early days. I said James was a baker who worked uh, in uh, one of the communities there in Boston. He had a, a ferocious uh, interaction with friends that he had built relationships over the years and everything was great. And then his life suddenly shifts. Uh, the certain general meets uh, James, when James comes into the doctor's office, struggling with obesity and high blood pressure and diabetes and feeling, looking like he's been totally defeated. They get into a discussion as, uh, as the doctor was trying to get a history, and James just kind of blurts out this. Winning the lottery is one of the worst things that has ever happened to me. Happened. That, that ever happened to me. Now, if you read this, somebody's like, what? <laughs> I know you're like, I, I, I want one of those worst things to happen to me. I know that's what some of you say. Yeah, it turns out that James had won the lottery and he'd become a millionaire overnight. Yeah. The problem was in pursuit of the American dream, he left his quit his job. He moved out of his neighborhood. He moved into a gated community, totally changed his lifestyle and woke up one day filled and surrounded by luxury, but completely alone. Here's what James says. I traded in my friends and job I loved and moved to a neighborhood where people keep to themselves in their giant houses. It's lonely. Yeah. Isolated by wealth. Isolated by luxury. Disconnected emotionally from people who sees him, knows him, who's a part of his story. Surrounded by people and yet disconnected. Is that your story? Well, here's the deal. Loneliness is extraordinarily pervasive and because it's so pervasive, there's all kinds of impact. Here's just something, you know, I'm just going to run through them real quickly, right? Hard problems and Depression and high, higher, uh, <clears throat> higher stress levels and decrease in memory function. Check this out. Of course, a lot of addictions are being driven 
by loneliness. Uh, they have figured out that physiologically certain parts of the brain actually changes as people are trapped in loneliness for long periods of time. And so as I think about this, I can hear those words. It is not good for man to be alone. And a better translation is we think about the dimensions that are going to flow out of me, out of me, the clan, the tribe, the people, the nations. We think about all of that. Uh, the, the, the better translation is it is not good for people to be trapped in loneliness. Hmm. No, no. Here's three dimensions of loneliness if you're trying to figure out where you are inside this and Adam Adam actually lived in all three of these dimensions here's the first dimension emotional disconnection right you're emotionally disconnected from people and 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 you you you, you're you're looking for that intimate partner longing for close confident or intimate partner where there's mutual affection and trust Adam was longing for that here's another dimension social or relational Yearning for quality friendship and social companionships and, and support groups. You know, that, 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 that group that you play cards with every day, right? That, that group that uh, when you think about working through this pandemic, it is the group that makes you feel like we're all in this together. Yeah, that group. Adam was missing that. And then here's the third dimension. The collective dimension, the hunger for a network or community of people who share our purposes and our interests. That group of folk who are engaging in life right alongside you. You're an athlete, that, 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 that team that is working out with you, that's, that's, that's practicing hard, that's trying to be the best that they can be, right? That, that, that group that's engaging life with you, pursuing the purposes that you're attempting to pursue. So, so let me suggest that there are two different groups of people listening to me right now. The first group is, is the group that they're listening to me and say, yeah, I'm kind of, I didn't know. I am lonely. Or I've been feeling lonely, but I just haven't told anybody because I feel there's a lot of shame that surrounds it. And I've been feeling like it's, on, it's my fault. And, and I'm just telling you, that's a trick of the enemy. Uh, you've been feeling like, you know, you're not smart enough, cute enough to connect whatever, right? He said, yeah, that's me. That's one group. The other group that's listening to me is, is, the, is the group of us who are so busy that we haven't realized that we're surrounded by people who are dealing with loneliness every day. They're asking us to slow down, but we're moving too fast to hear it. They're asking us to spend some time to, to talk with them. They just want somebody to talk. They want somebody to listen to them, somebody to recognize, to see them, right? To feel them. But we're we're doing too many things. What's interesting enough is that the pandemic, uh, part of the byproduct of the pandemic should have been that life slowed down to make us begin to think about what's most valuable. That should be relationships. All right, here's the insight for the group of you who are saying, yeah, I'm lonely. I'm in that 100 million plus people. Here's what I want you to know. <laughs> A hundred million plus people. You are not alone in your loneliness. No, no, no. Tons of people are just like you. So that feeling that you had that you're the only one of you, not so. That's the first thing. Here's a surprise for you. Let's find Jesus on the cross. And here's what he cries out. At three, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, 
my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And here is the greatest expression of, of the absence of sacred connections. His, he feels that his connection with the Father has been broken. And surely his connection with people have been broken. And he cries out of this lonely place in the midst of great pain. And as we listen to him cry out, right? As we listen to him expose his innermost feelings, something powerful happens for those of us who are struggling through loneliness or struggling through pain. You know what it is? We connect with him. We discover that, 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 that we're not alone in our loneliness, that he gets us and that he's a part of our story. All because he cried out. Well, here's an insight. Here's one step then. If you're struggling with loneliness, I want to suggest oh, something I want to teach you. Learn to relate inside out. Learn to begin to relate with people around you by talking about what's going on on the inside of you. That's how you get emotional connection, right? Yeah. Let me tell you two quick stories. There's a woman by the name of, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. Her name is uh, Serena Bean. The Surgeon General talks about her in his uh, she is, uh, uh, her parents migrated to the United States from China in 1970. She grew up in the suburbs of Michigan. She ended up going to the uh, Pennsylvania University. And the moment she got there, she suddenly found herself isolated and disconnected. And this vibrant young woman who grew up in a community where she was known in her private school, small private school, she was known by her teachers and her students who, who was into, what is this, beekeeping? I've never heard of beekeeping before, but that's what she did. And she had a whole group of friends around her that did that big beekeeping because she was very committed to the environment. So suddenly lost all of her zest for life. She went home during the summertime. Uh, and, and here's how she described it. She, she couldn't find people to connect with. Uh, that, that if, if she didn't go to lunch with some of the students, she felt left out. If she went to lunch with some of them, she felt like the conversations were so superficial that she didn't belong. She was a misfit. No connection. And she would, between classes, she would s- sneak into the bathrooms and sit in the stalls and cry. That's how lonely and depressed she actually felt. She went home during the summer and she almost dropped out. But her parents talked her into going back to school. She spent some time connecting with the things she loved at home. And then she went back. She got her a therapist, started to do some talk therapy that began to kind of reshape life around her. And in the background, I don't know whether she heard this, but there, there is the echo of the words of God declaring it is not good for people to be trapped in loneliness. And so she began to push forward. The first thing she did was she said, I'm going to take some baby steps. And the first thing she did was uh, she started inviting her friends to come have coffee with her, not in groups, but one at a time. And over a cup of coffee, she started to relate to them from the inside out. You know how she did it? She started talking to them about her loneliness, her feelings of lonely. And then she asked them, do you have the same feelings? And lo and behold, most of them did as she related from the inside out. 
emotional connection, social connection. Later on, she uh, realized that most of the spaces on the campus was all about competition and the hustle and bustle of college life. There was no place to sit quietly as a group to begin to relate from the inside out. So she went, got her an Airbnb. She had this fabulous idea. And she just started walking up to students and say, hey, if you want to hang out with a group of strangers who want to talk about what it means to be lonely on a college campus, come over to this place such and such a time. And people showed up. She put them in a circle, in a small group. She said, look, we're going to identify ourselves and we're going to have some substantive conversation. They looked in each other's eyes for about three minutes. That kind of seems a little weird to me. But anyway, that's what they did. (laughs) And then out of that, she asked two questions. What's going well in your life and what are you struggling with? And that exploded into three hours of discussions. And at the end of the day, the God of the universe had been working in her life, whether she realized it or not, helping her to break free of her loneliness as she learned to relate to people from inside out. And as she learned, she helped others to relate to each other from inside out. Now, let me just point out really a couple of quick things here, guys. One, I want to highlight the therapist. She went and got a therapist. Some of us, we need to sit down and talk to some people who are professionals can help us to put some things together. Two, she took a baby step. She, she, she connected with one person at a time. And three, she bypassed the superficiality of conversation. She started to talk about what she was feeling. And there she was in the same place as Jesus modeled. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Being honest about how she felt on the inside and voila, connection. And somebody shout, connection. Yeah, sacred connection. Now, why is it such a problem as I, as I hustle to a conclusion? Why is it such a problem for us to relate? Because some of you are sitting there saying, well, no, that's too scary. I can't do that. No, no. Why is it scary to you? Why is it frightening to you? And I agree, it is scary. It does take faith. Yeah, it takes faith to do that. Why is it scary? Well, you know what happens in the Adam and Eve story, right? They're relating to each other and all this wonderful stuff. And then they decide to eat the fruit that God told them not to eat. And here's what the text says. Remember, God said the day you eat, that's the day you introduce death into your life. That's the day you die. Here's the text. At that moment, their eyes were open the moment they ate the fruit, both of them. And they suddenly felt shame. Suddenly they've lost shame. Guilt shows up at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves, right? Now, notice what happens here. It's a powerful text. The moment they enter a season of rebellion and disobedience, they sever the relationship that they have with God, and they begin to impact the relationship they have with one another. And suddenly, relationships are now redefined by hiding, by secrets, by lies, by fear of judgment. And all of a sudden, they're not as easily known, easily transparent. And then this happens. God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the evening. The text says his voice. The text says his voice walks through. And he calls Adam, Adam, where are you? 
<laughs> and Adam ultimately acknowledges that he and Eve are hiding. He said, why are you hiding? He said, well, we were naked. Who told you you were naked? Did you eat of the fruit? Here comes his answer. Here comes his answer. <laughs> it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit to eat, he says. Do you see what happens? <laughs> he throws out of the bus. All right, all right, all right. A little bit more dramatic here. He knows that the moment you eat, you're supposed to die. So he's thinking that God is coming into the garden to kill. And so what he does, he turns on Eve and says, kill her. And suddenly these two people who were shared the same story, who were walking side to side, suddenly turn on one another and turn away from one another and, be, and drives disconnection. That is what sin does. That is what fear does. That is what rebellion does in our lives when we, when we begin to become so focused on ourselves that the only thing that matters is us and ourselves. It causes major challenges, right? So here's the here's, here's insight. Take a picture of this. We can be the victims of social and emotional disconnection. In this case, Eve is a victim. Or we can be the source. And in this case, Adam is actually the source. He does it out of a place of fear. What are you doing? I see Adam, this story about Adam just replayed a thousand times around as people are arguing about being vaccinated or not, about wearing masks or not, right? About what political candidate you voted for about immigration here in America. I see people turning on one another. I see people backing into their small corners. I see people, in a sense, magnifying their part of the world while minimizing everybody else's. And if you've lived through that experience, and many of us have in a variety of different ways, you know what happens? It's hard for us to relate to people from the inside out. You know what we typically do? We pretend. We pretend that everything is okay because that keeps us, we think, safe. But it is not good for people to be trapped in loneliness for too long because it drives us into a variety of horrendous and harmful behaviors like addictions and a long range of other stuff that I talked about earlier. The other day I heard a story about I think it was the second to the last plane that was flying from Afghanistan to the United States. And on that plane was a woman, an Afghan woman who was pregnant, and she went into labor. And she started to give birth right there on the plane. And the, the pilot had to drop several altitudes to make sure that she could breathe. The women surrounded her and used their dresses to create a shield around her. And she gave birth to a beautiful baby girl while in the air flying to America. And she named that baby girl Reach. Reach. That's how I want to end this message. I want you to hear in the echo God declaring it is not good for people to be trapped in loneliness. Reach. If you're in loneliness, it is not good for you to reach. And let me give you a solid invitation that, that I want to say that if you're trapped in loneliness and you need a place 
right? You need a, a group where you can have sacred connections. I want to invite you to reach out and join one of our NBCC life groups because they are designed to be groups of sacred connection where it is safe for you to be transparent and honest and where it is safe to, to disagree and yet find love. Wherever you are in the world, you can reach out to us and join one of our small groups so you can begin to practice the art of unlearning pretending and being honest. I want to say to you, reach. And if you're not the person who's lonely, I want to say to you, reach. Look around you and find disconnection around you and reach across that disconnection, empowered by the grace and love of God. Build bridges. Facilitate opportunities to serve across differences and let the light of God shine in your life. Whether you're in high school or college or you're retired, reach. Amen and amen. Let me invite you uh, to uh, go to our connection cards uh, and you can get there by way of our app. And um, when you get in the connection card, I uh, just want you to go to the next steps. And the first step is to say yes to Jesus, that I want to become an instrument of grace and truth in the world. I want to follow him. And there are a couple other options there that you can choose. And then here's the response to the message. I want to challenge you. Just go ahead and say this with me. You may have other responses, but here's, do that. But here's, here's one response I want to challenge you and engage with. God, empower me. It's a prayer. God, empower me to reach for others. Whether you're lonely, if you're lonely, God, empower me to reach for others. If you're, if you're not lonely, then you're, you're, you're looking for those who are disconnected. God, empower me to reach for others. Yeah, that's it. And then one of the best ways to deal with our loneliness and to help reach others, I want to encourage you, is to serve. Back to what I talked about yes, last weekend. If you didn't have an opportunity to hear the message last week, make sure you go back and hear it. But I want to give you an, opp- uh, uh, an opportunity right now uh, that one of the ways to break through loneliness is to serve others. And so there's a QR code right here. You can just scan it and you'll go straight to our connection card right here to the serving and I want you to look at some opportunities here from uh, first impressions all the way down to tech team, all the way down to our life group. If you want to be a part of a life group, you want to lead a life group virtually or in person, even if you want to do it in another part of the country, let us know. Care and prayer, et cetera, et cetera. If you don't know what, just check other. And here's what we're going to do. If you just check other on one of these, we're going to reach out to you and say, you're ready to serve. And you may say, I'm not ready to serve now. I want to serve in three months or three weeks or whatever. We'll work that out with you. Or if you're ready to serve, we'll help you as it relates to that. And here's the deal. Once you join a servant team, everybody shout, join a servant team. We've got a, we've got a shirt for you. Everybody can be great because everybody can serve. It's going to be beautiful. Words of Dr. King. I want to encourage you to have that. And... Um, With that, here's our reflection question. Take a picture of it. Am I searching for sacred connections for myself? Or am I being called to be a sacred connection for somebody else? All right. I'll see you next week.